Welcome to Eat, Drink, and Do Good, a newsletter and now podcast from Studio Atel. I'm Jenny Dorsey, the studio's executive director. Each month, we feature original social justice op-eds with a focus on the food, beverage, and hospitality industries. In these upcoming episodes, we'll be revisiting some of our favorite pieces from 2021. I hope you enjoy the podcast today, and if you're learning something from these op-eds, please consider supporting us on Patreon at Studio Atau, spelled Studio A-T-A-O. Art in Prison. Incarcerated People Deserve Space to be Creative by Rose McAdoo. From adolescence into adulthood, we are socialized to believe that our prisons, jails, and detention centers must be stark, oppressive facilities. Despite the goal of rehabilitation, these institutional systems are intentionally made to be and feel worlds away from our thoughts in everyday lives. As a young woman with an incarcerated parent, I felt smothered by my own conflicted feelings towards this approach, curious about life on the inside while attempting to ascertain my own opinions on whether prisoners should have access to college classes, art spaces, libraries, and opportunities to better themselves. What I've come to understand is that if we aim for healing and positive change within the carceral systems that exist today, jails and prisons must not be inflated to represent the whole of someone's identity. Instead, they should serve as spaces where true rehabilitation may take place before reintegration back into society. This means it is entirely our responsibility to engage with our incarcerated folks as the fullest versions of themselves. This is proven to have important, long-lasting effects. Jailed humans who practice art start forming closer relationships, benefit from an equal and respectful creative environment away from the top-down authority, solidify their own self-worth, and remember or relearn the self-satisfaction of completing a challenging process. By exposing humans to a diverse range of artistic practices, we then discover the styles of expression that resonate the most with each incarcerated individual. The United States makes up 5% of our global population, but has almost a quarter of the world's incarcerated people. Since the 1970s, America's spending on carceral facilities has increased over 1,000% and our rate of incarceration has increased by more than 10 times, topping out at 2.2 million in this country alone. For context, the U.S. prison population would be the fifth largest city in the country. These days, our American carceral system thrives due to institutional racism, modern-day slavery, and personal and political profit. Yet, Increased imprisonment does not result in safer communities. We constantly label and stigmatize people who we deem to have made poor choices without understanding their situations. Those who have broken a law or committed a crime are dehumanized and separated from society, 
often for decades. These humans aren't offered the social services they need to successfully reintegrate, nor are the public given opportunities to see and learn of the humanity behind those walls. Our national crisis of mass incarceration is one of mass dehumanization. We're so deeply separated, so conditioned to believe in a moral binary, that we forget that the people stranded in cells are mothers and fathers, sisters and brothers, daughters and sons, friends and community members with their own stories to tell. So how can we begin to connect those of us on the quote outside with the ones quote inside? How can we shift the words felon, criminal, convict, and inmate into first names with real stories like Alan, Dante, Dominique, and Heather? Semi-formal art programs have found their way into prisons since the turn of the 20th century, but more of us can begin to use our own unique art and creativity to push forward new channels of storytelling, engaging a wider audience along the way. As a pastry chef, I was eager to explore the possibility of using desserts to tell deeper stories, redirecting the focus of the people, places, and moments that we choose to celebrate. At Los Angeles County State Prison and Rikers Correctional Facility, I supported men serving life without parole and women serving multiple short-term sentences, respectively, to decorate cakes that depicted their own stories. What I quickly learned is that those intimidating steel gates, countless locked doors, and aggressively buzzing turnstiles hide some of the country's most creative individuals. In LA's Lancaster facility, Dante Hayes presented prison cakes, handcrafted with food from the commissary, while Lester Polk spoke of his experience managing the prison bakery. James Green, in particular, inspired me with his resourcefulness, soaking Skittles in milk to achieve different colors, dyeing eggshells in the liquid, and using toothpaste as the glue base for his colorful eggshell collages. At a time when I often felt challenged by my own lack of resources, this was a powerful reminder of how to think innovatively, despite constraints. In Rikers, a distorted Louis Vuitton cake warned of misplacing our values, a lesson learned the hard way after a theft shifted one mother's entire world. A staff member swirled edible dyes into a pie graph as she reminded the residents that, quote, your situation does not define you. This is a chapter, not the whole story. Colors and symbols spoke volumes as individuals presented their finished cakes visualizing their identities as transgender, speaking against domestic violence experiences, and declaring their future goals, boldly vulnerable statements in an often hostile environment. One cake I remember particularly vividly is of a fondant figurine of a woman's body in an orange Department of Corrections uniform, draped face down over a six-inch cake a striking visual representation of being abandoned by the system. In prisons as well as in society, art is often dismissed as a frivolous luxury. Yet carceral arts programs are able to reach a part of human life that nothing else can. 
When women in Rikers were asked if they deserved to be creative, they responded unanimously. Quote, being incarcerated has made me look at ordinary things differently. Quote, it actually opened up a few channels in my creativity. Quote, being incarcerated has helped me see a different side of myself. Just because I'm incarcerated doesn't mean that I lost my sense of feelings, emotions, or knowledge. Quote, I'm just as, if not more creative, but we don't have the materials to express it all of the time. Of course I deserve to be creative. Whether inside or outside of our carceral institutions, creativity is strengthened by working with what we have in spite of what we don't and finding ways to share our essential existence with those we may never meet. While my own relationship with my formerly incarcerated parent remains estranged, bringing my personal art and visual storytelling approach into carceral settings has provided me with an immense sense of healing. Making art in prisons has given me, and I hope many others, a clearer understanding of and personal connection to the talents of those with a depth of stories to share, who desire to be more understood and not forgotten. Art, in all its different forms, must find its way into society's most hidden nooks and crannies, into every prison, jail, and detention center in the country, to rehabilitate, rehumanize, and reconnect us. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find all prior issues of Eat, Drink, and Do Good on Studio Tao's website at studiotao.org newsletter. I'm Emily Chen, the head of content at the studio. Every month, we'll be releasing a new newsletter and podcast with social justice analyses from new and emerging writers. Make sure to sign up for our mailing list and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to be the first to know on all new episodes. All of our contributors are paid for their time and work, so if you're able, please consider supporting us as a monthly donor via Patreon or via a one-time gift at studiotao.org donate. Thank you for listening.